Moses didn't want to be without the presence of God. I have read that passage of scripture, Brother David, many times. When the temple was built, and the priests went in, and the Bible says, though, that the presence of God was so strong that they could not even stand, but that they had to lay prostrate before the Lord. That's my cry. That's my heart, Lord. Let your spirit so engulf this house to where we, we walk across the threshold that the Spirit of God hits us and knocks us flat on our back that we don't have to wait till 30 that we don't have to wait till 6 but that is as we enter in this building the Spirit of God begins to move that people get saved as they're running across the parking lot that people are being healed by the power of Almighty God that people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit that's what I'm believing Him for and not only in this house, but in this house. Come flood this house, Lord, with your presence. Come flood this house, Lord. Not only this house, but come and flood this house. Let me experience your goodness. Let me experience your glory. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday. When I'm riding down the road. When I'm in the midnight hour. When I'm in the middle of my storm. When I'm in the supermarket. When I'm in the hospital. Lord, let me experience your glory, Lord. Come and flood this house, Lord. Come and flood this house, Lord. Come and flood this house, Lord. Father, that's our heart's cry tonight, Lord, that you would come and flood this house, Lord. Lord, don't let us have control, Lord, but come and consume, Lord, every ounce of us, Lord. Let us be full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be aware of your presence. Lord, and let us experience your glory, Lord. Lord, each and every single day, Father. Lord, I believe and long before the day, Lord, of that which we just spoke about will come to pass, Lord. And we believe, Lord, that we are just experiencing the raindrops, the beginning raindrops of the flood of your spirit that is going to come, Lord. Do it again, Lord, one more time, Lord. Do it again, Lord, one more time, Lord. Do it again, Lord, one more time, Lord. Lord, that we might experience, Lord, what you have for us, Lord. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I'm telling you, there's nothing like his presence. There's nothing like his presence. I don't want to go one day without his presence. I don't want to come in here without his presence. I don't want to go anywhere without his presence. Lord, let your presence abide and dwell and fill me. Amen. That's my heart's desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So thankful for his presence. And so thankful to be a part of a body that desires his presence, that desires him. That's what I want. That's what the world needs. This is what the world needs, the moving and operating power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'm thankful that he's pouring out the latter rain. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Mm. 
Hallelujah, Lord. It's worshiping, saints. The Lord is moving in this house. Lord, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Mm. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Spirit of God, have your way. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Did I not tell you that if you would ask, you would receive? Did I not tell you that if you would seek my face, you would find? Did I not tell you that if you would knock, the door would be open to you? This is that. This is that which you have prayed for. This is that which you have sought my face for. This is that which I promised that I would do in the latter days. But get ready, my people, for the best is truly yet to come. There is more salvations. There is more healings. There is miracles that are yet to come. Believe me and stand on my my word, for it shall come to pass, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. 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 Oh, yeah, you must see Jesus. Oh, Ramason, let me see Spirit of God. We receive it, Lord. We receive it, Lord. We receive it, Lord. We receive it, Lord. We receive it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord would raise up a standard. And the enemy has come in like a flood like never before against God's people. But I'm here to tell you today that the Spirit of the Lord is raising up a standard. Hell cannot have this country. Hell is not going to destroy. But he said, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I know what it looks like. I know the voice of the enemy is going forth and saying it's over. But I'm here to tell you today that it's not over. Over, but this is the beginning of what is to come. I prophesy that the greatest moving of His Holy Spirit that this world has ever seen is getting ready to happen. We're not months out of this, but I'm telling you, we are on the brink of seeing what we have been praying for and believing Him for. I believe it with all of my heart. 
and I claim it. I claim it in the name of Jesus. I claim it and I refuse to let the enemy steal the promises of his word that he has given unto us. It's going to come to pass. I believe with all of my heart it's beginning. This is just the beginning. And my God, if it's this good, what's it get ready to be like? Get ready, church. Get ready, church. Be expecting, be ready to receive what it is that he's going to do. Amen. I believe the prodigals are coming home. I believe our sons and daughters are coming home. I believe our wayward spouses and family members, they're coming home. I claim them in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan has had them for far too long. But the Lord is saying he's getting ready to move. He's getting ready to move. He's heard your cries. He's heard your prayers. And he's getting ready to move and bring them home. I believe that with all of my heart. With all of my heart. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I am so excited. And there is such a spirit of anticipation that's within my heart. I tell you, I cannot wait to see what he is going to do. I cannot wait to see what he is getting ready to do. Hale's tried to stop it, but he is defeated. Amen. He, give the Lord another hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And don't mind me, I had to come get my water. <laughs> Couldn't tell. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 26. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord did this morning? Three souls came home. I tell you one thing. That's what it's all about, amen, seeing the lost come to Jesus. He said he came to seek and to save, and I'm so thankful. And in time like that, I've told a few of you, but in time, and hopefully I can get around to others, but I am amazed at how the Spirit of God moves and how he works and how he brings people here in unimaginable ways. But that's what he does, amen. He can do and will do and does do what man cannot do, amen. Galatians chapter 5, 19. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they who are of Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. 
If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. I want to talk to you tonight and preach on the topic, the fruit of the Spirit. And for far too long, and I say this not in a mean, condemning way, but for far too long, the church has been more concerned with the gifts of the Spirit versus the fruit of the Spirit. And you and I tonight need the fruit of the Spirit more so than we need the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. I'm thankful for the gifts. I'm thankful that the gifts are still in operation, but the desire and the pursuit of each and every single one of us is, Lord, to have your way in me. Change me, develop your fruit, develop the fruit that needs to be done in my life. And I can tell you today that if you're breathing and you're living, there is still fruit that he wants to develop in your life. Amen. There is never a maximum level. There is never a a top off, if you will. There is always room for him to develop more fruit. And your desire and my desire tonight should be, Lord, have your way in me and let your fruit be manifested in my life amen if we can get this right let me tell you everything else will take care of itself if we can just get this right you don't have to worry everything else will take place amen but i want to preach to you tonight the fruit of the spirit let's pray heavenly father lord we love you tonight and we thank you for your presence that is in this house Lord, there is truly nothing like the moving and the operating power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word that you gave to us, Lord, that, Father, we can cling to, Lord God. And, Lord, we stand upon your promises, Lord. And, Father, we thank you for what you did this morning, Lord, for the hearts and the lives that were touched and were changed, Lord, not only for all of eternity, Lord, but even those of your children, Lord. And we believe that, Father, you are empowering us, Lord, even now, Lord, to be the church that you have called us to be in these last days. And, Lord, I'm asking that tonight you would move and have your way. Anoint us, Lord, one more time. Lord, again tonight to deliver the word, Lord, your word that is sacred, Lord, and that is holy. Lord, let us do no violence to it. Touch your people, Lord. Give them ears to hear, Father. And, Lord, we will give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Paul, we know in the book of Galatians, has been agonizingly, if you will, and scripturally dealing, uh, detailing to these Galatians how that anything outside of simple faith in Christ and what he has done at Calvary's cross profits us nothing at all. In fact, Paul would say uh, that if anything else, uh, Christ will not profit you at all. It's circumcision. It won't do you any good trying to add to what Christ has already done. Amen. The cross alone is what adds to us, but the moment that we begin to try to add to his finished work, ironically, we begin to subtract away the benefits of his finished work. Amen. How we receive them is by simply embracing the cross of Christ, but how we end up not receiving them and having them subtracted, if you will, is when we begin to add to what he has already done. Amen. And the greatest thing that could get indwelt within our hearts and our spirits is that it is truly finished and that we would rest in what he has already done. So Paul has informed them 
And it's the same message to us that the law of which they are trying to live by uh, to try to obtain, if you will, and even maintain the holiness and the righteousness that was given to them uh, cannot be done by works but is maintained and brought about by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you there's no more important or no greater ministry than the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is his job to convict sinners and to draw us to Jesus Christ. And we know that the day we said yes, he baptized us into the Holy, uh, into Jesus Christ. Amen. And now that he has come inside, it is his role, his function, his job to now change us and to make us more like Jesus Christ. Amen. But when we start depending upon works and Instead of solely dependent upon what he's done, then Paul, we see, addresses them in chapter 3, O foolish Galatian. Why are you depending on something that has, can benefit you in no kind of way? And in fact, if you remember the first five verses, he, he lays it down pretty hard on them. Are, are you foolish? Are, are you out of your mind? Tell me just this one thing, and this will sum it all up. How did you receive the Spirit? How did you, was it by faith or was it by works? And we know that, that anybody that's saved would know that it was not by works. It was by simple faith in Christ and what he's done. But the problem is, is that the Christian, and it is the temptation, and it is the road of each and every single one of us uh, uh, from the flesh, from that nature of self that wants to take control and wants to do this thing on our own and wants to live by a series of works instead of living by simple faith. He said, the just shall live by faith. That's how we're going to make it, amen? That's how we are to live each and every single day. So the ultimate daily desire of every born-again believer should be to be more like Jesus. I want to see people saved with everything within me. But the greatest desire that should be even above that is, Lord, make me more like you. Your greatest desire should be, Lord, make me more like you. Not fill my pocketbook. Not do this, do that. But Lord, change my heart. Lord, make me more like you. Let your fruit be developed in my life. And a lot of people I have heard ask, what does God look like? And I tell them, if you want to know what God looks like, just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Just read about his life in the four Gospels. And that is the picture. That is the description. You are literally reading and seeing God because we know that Isaiah prophesied it and said his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. So we know now because of what he did at the cross by virtue, uh, uh, baptism into Christ, we now have the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us. John 14, 17 lets us know that he is with you now, but he shall be, Jesus said, in you, meaning that futuristic event that would take place on the day of Pentecost. We covered it about a month ago that there was two events that took place on the day of Pentecost. It was the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit but as well the Holy Spirit was brought in to now take a residence within each and every single born again believer amen I'm so thankful that he said he won't just be with you but he's going to be in you amen and the same presence of the Holy Spirit that we feel in here will go with us when we leave out of this door that's why he said I will never leave you nor forsake you because I'm living on the inside now so wherever you are going he's right there you may feel like you're walking in hell itself but guess what he is there David said if I make my bed in hell you're there 
So he goes with us and, and he is in us. And the reason he's in us is because you are in Christ. That's why he's in you. Not because you do it all perfectly. Not because you got it all right. But because you are in Christ and therefore he is in you. Amen. And so now the Holy Spirit has been given to us to transform us into the image of Christ. And the evidence that he is having his way in transforming us is by the fruit that should be evidenced in our life. See, if we don't stay in Christ and, we don't, and, and not allow him uh, to change us, then what are we doing this for? I want to be changed, amen? But we cannot have anything, and works will deter you from the position that you are in, which is in Christ. Now, most Christians would sit and say and, and should say that they want, to have, they want him to have his way, but understand tonight that the only way that the Holy Spirit can work and function in your life is by you anchoring your faith in Christ and what he did for you at the cross. It is so simple, but we have made this so hard. All we have to do is continue to believe and rest in his finished work. And I can tell you that this is a choice that you have to make each and every single day. Every day. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to truly be my disciple and follow me, then you've got to deny yourself. So the criteria for that was for everyone, and there was no day exempt because he said it must daily be done. So this is the battle that we face every day. This is the fight of faith that we are engaged in every day. When Paul said <clears throat> to Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, in the Greek it gives uh, uh, the tendency and it leans towards and explaining that it is an agonizing faith because each and every single day there is a desire almost to trust in self because it comes from that nature of self that wants to rise up upon the throne and so each and every single day I've got to make the choice to suppress this flesh to suppress this self and to continue to live by faith each and every single day even when I don't understand what's going on I've got to make the decision that I'm going to live by faith even if it's those things which I have been seeking him for and they've not happened Lord I'm still living by faith amen and so the fight of faith is is uh <clears throat> is when we continue to trust christ and his finished work and it can only happen as we deny ourselves. but what happens is many times and what was happening in this church of galatia in chapter 419 he said you have turned to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire to be in bondage and that's what happens so many times to christians we turn to things, even godly things, and we place our faith in them. We trust in the doing of activity instead of so simply trusting in Christ. And I may have given you the wrong verse, Connie, sorry. Instead of trusting in Christ. But here we go. Paul's desire was that Christ be formed in us. That was his desire, my little children. What I want more of all is for Christ to be formed in you. That was his burning desire. And that desire should be within each and every one of us. Christ be formed in me. And the only way that he's going to be formed is for you to be transformed. And how you're transformed is by the renewing of your minds. Laying self aside and looking to the cross each and every single day. You see, before salvation, you and I could not produce fruit because you had no root in Christ. And let me tell you, there are a lot of sinners that are not in Christ and they're good people. But just because they're good people and they're nice does not mean that they are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. 
I have heard ignorantly, and I mean that nicely, people say, well, I know some sinners that's got more fruit of the Spirit than Christians. And I'm like, that is wrong thinking. There's no way they can have fruit of the Spirit because it's of the Spirit. And where the Spirit is not at, there's going to be no fruit because He's the one who produces it. So now, uh, now that we are in Christ, we still can't produce it. You can't produce fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, only the Holy Spirit can produce it. Amen? And it comes by continuing to stay in Christ. And when you think about the word continuing, what does that mean? To continue means that there was a starting point. You started in Christ the day that you got saved. When you denied yourself, you laid everything out because that's the only way you could get saved. And you said yes to Jesus Christ and nevermore was your faith purer than the day that you cried out, Lord, I can't, but you can help me. Amen. Lord, save me, wash me, cleanse me. Amen. And that was your starting point now on this walk with the Lord. The day that you got saved. And Paul here would say, now continue where you started at continue in Christ but here's the problem we get saved and then we want to mosey right on and we want to begin to live this Christian life by what we think is expected of us and we place our faith and we place our trust in those things we anchor it and we think that we are pleasing God by doing these things and don't misunderstand me the good godly principles should be and will be evident in your life if you were truly born again but I'm not to trust in those things and to depend on those things for the production of the fruit. I'm to simply remain in Christ. It is so simple, but yet it's the hardest thing to do because there is a pull that tries to pull us to trust within ourselves. You see, you and I have been commanded by God to walk. And not just to walk, but to live in the Spirit. See, it's not just a one-time command that is given to us to adhere to, but it is meant for us to obey each and every single day. You see, to live in the Spirit indicates that there is rest in the life of a believer and that we simply rest in His finished work. There's a lot of believers and Christians that need to come to rest. We need to come to rest and truly believe and accept that what He did is enough the blood is enough amen it not only took listen he said behold the lamb of god who taketh away the sin of the world the writer of hebrews paul would say now there's no more sacrifice that is needed for sin the blood of jesus has atoned amen and not only did he atone but when you got saved the power of sin was destroyed off of your life amen but we don't understand that because we don't teach it and therefore we think that we've got to now fight and defeat something not understanding that it's already been defeated it's already been handled, amen? So when one is resting, <clears throat> it takes away the I have to work. And when you're resting in Christ and truly trusting, then the Holy Spirit is released to now work in you. So he wants to work in you. 
He wants to work in me. And how he's released to be able to do it is by you releasing control. By you yielding to what Christ did at Calvary's cross. Don't understand, don't misunderstand me. There is going to be a lot of work in your life when he is in control. He's going to have you doing things that you would have never dreamed of. But all will be ordered and carried out by the Holy Spirit who's using you as an instrument just to flow through. There's going to be a lot of work in your life. Amen. James 2.17 said, Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. There's a lot of people that claim Christianity. They claim they're Christian, but yet there's no fruit to back up their claims. And so all they've got is a dead faith. All they've got is a dead faith. Show me, listen, I want to see fruit, amen? And there should be and will be fruit of one that has truly been born again. And we have to understand, especially us ones that's been walking with the Lord sometimes, and I have to remind myself that, that those that are new converts ain't going to be where you're at. And what happens is, is we get them saved, and all of a sudden they're babes in Christ, and we want to start cramming meat down their throat. Get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have his way. All he wants you to do is lift up Christ and him crucified. And I promise you the Holy Spirit is more than capable of moving in their life and pulling those things out that don't need to be there. All he needs us to do is be that instrument for him to flow through. And that's the problem we try to change people. He has not called you to clean them up. He said be fishers of men. Not cleaners, man, because by the time you catch them and you go to doing surgery on them, you're going to kill them, and then you're wasting your time as there's a whole nother pond of them out there that need to be caught. Catch and release. I'm going to catch them, and it ain't even going to be you. It's Jesus catching them, using you as an instrument, and I'm going to release them over to you, Lord, to now do what only you can do. Amen. You see, uh, a faith that has no deeds or actions. Uh, being carried out by a worker, which is the Holy Spirit, is a dead faith. Meaning there is no operating power of the Spirit. You see, works, and we use this when it says if it has not works, when it really should have been translated rightly so as fruit. A, a faith without fruit, it is dead. See, again, there, the works, the fruit is a byproduct of the grace of God, which is the Holy Spirit that is working in my life. So as I see the fruit being developed in my life or lack thereof, that tells me and indicates to me how much control the Holy Spirit really has over me. And you and I should have that desire, and I believe that it is, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, that has that desire for fruit to be brought forth in the heart and in the life. You see, when you got saved, you received the person of the Holy Spirit. You didn't just get part of him, but you received all of him. I remember growing up, here was the thing. You got to go get saved, then you go back and you get sanctified, and then after you get sanctified, get filled with the Holy Ghost, when you complete one, two, three, boom, you're done. Listen, when you got saved, you were sanctified at salvation. Because before you, he could justify you, you had to be sanctified. You had to be cleaned up. He tells us in 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 6, uh, he tells them what all they were. He said, but such were some of you, or such were some of you. But now you have been sanctified and justified. He can't declare you righteous until he first cleans you up. 
He can't justify one that's still got a lot. He cleans you. He washes you. His blood washes it all away. But we know that that sanctification now is ongoing. And there should be progressive sanctification in the life of a believer, which means the Holy Spirit is taking the junk that all of us still possess within our hearts away from us, those dead clinging binds of the fall, and replacing them with the fruit of the Spirit. So this idea that you can reach, uh, that you can uh, get to the place of arrival and be everything that you ought to be is improper thinking. That day doesn't exist and will not exist until we receive the glorified body, amen, where we are no longer in a corruptible flesh, but we have put on in corruption, amen. So again, you got all of him. You didn't get part of the Holy Spirit when you got, uh, when you got saved, you didn't get just a leg of him and then a little bit later get his arm and, and then a little bit later you got his head. No, you got everything. You got all of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Talking to believers. And if so, be that the Spirit of God dwelled in you. So when you got saved, the old man died. You've been resurrected as a new man in Christ Jesus, which means that the Spirit of God is inside of you. The same spirit that raised up Christ Jesus now dwells inside of you. Amen. And we know the problem, though, is it's not that the spirit isn't in us. It's that the spirit doesn't have us. That's the problem. It's not that the Holy Spirit's not in us. He just don't truly have us the way that he wants to because we won't yield control over to him to be in control. We won't get out of the driver's seat, if you will, and let him take control. You see, he's there, but he doesn't have control of us because we're not depending on Christ and his finished work, but rather the works that we do that keeps us in control. We love to cling to our traditions. It's, it, it's just funny, we, we talked about it today. I get amused and I get tickled at people like that, you know, just for an instance, songs. And listen, I, I, if it's anointed, I love it. But it's amazing how people will hold on. If it ain't the red back hymn, it ain't of God. Or if it's not only praise and worship, it's not of God. Listen, if it's anointed and it's scriptural, I love it. I love the red back hymn. I go through the house singing them all the time. We sing them here and we sing praise and worship. The Lord is still giving to people. He's still giving words. He's still giving songs like that that exalts the name of Jesus. I just want to hear something that exalts him and not man. Because a lot of this stuff that's out there now is not lifting up Christ, but it's exalting man. I don't want to hear about us. I want to hear about Jesus. Amen. So again, we have his presence, but... A lot of times we don't allow him to work. You see, many think that when you get saved, he takes control, but he is only in control as you yield to him. As we yield to him, you see, the work he does or the lack thereof is not because he's deficient and it's not because he lacks the power, but it's because we won't yield to him and let him work. So one or two positions that you are in, you're either resting or you're working. And if you're resting in Christ, then the Holy Spirit's working. But the moment that we try to live by works and we try to live by law and we turn to the weak and beggarly things that cannot do anything for us, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to sit back and he says, you think that you can do it? Go right ahead. 
because you and him can't be working at the same time. What he's called us to do is deny self, deny that feeling that you have to want to turn to and live by and just simply depend upon what I have done for you. See, we're to begin our everyday life in the spirit from the position of where we are and that position is in Christ. That's your position today. That is your identity and it is in Christ. And it doesn't matter even if we may have blown it yesterday we can be of good cheer because his mercies are new every single morning. You can begin right today by throwing off the works that you think that you must do to get there. See that's the problem. We fail to the Lord and what do we do? We run to religious activity to try to deliver us from those things that we are failing to. But instead of running to rely why don't you run to the cross of Christ where the problem that you're having has already been handled it's already been defeated see you're already there in Christ you're already in the position to start right you can start right every day because you're in Christ but that's just half the battle the other half of the battle is now yielding to his control see most most people don't even understand their position or who they really are in Christ but then when we do understand that we're in Christ, the other half of the battle is now I've got to yield to allow him to take control. The problem is, is that many Christians don't want to allow him to have control because they're afraid of where he might take them or what he might ask them to do. And simply put, we don't actually trust the Lord. Because it's easy to depend upon the tangible things, the things that we see, the things that we feel, instead of just simply relying upon what he's done. You see, the absence of his control in our life is because we're not walking according to the command, which is by faith, and which the Holy Spirit can be in control. So now that you're saved, you are to live and walk from the position of being in Christ, dying to the self, meaning you're not depending on anything that you can do, but simply rest so that now he can do the work and it's a whole lot of work that still is left to be done i wonder sometimes about my own self lord how much flesh still remains in me and it's amazing because we all think that when we're there and we're on cloud nine headed to ten we think man this is good and then all of a sudden it's like man where did that come from i didn't even know that that existed I didn't even know that that was there. But it's those things that he wants to take out of us. It's those things that he wants to rid us of. You see, uh, we were recreated for the purpose now for him to change us. I love to watch, um, for a while I didn't, been so busy, but sometimes I like to click on HGTV. And I love, Aaron loves it. She's back there, a big supporter of it, loves it. And I love to see how they'll go in there and recreate these homes. And they will take these homes that I so badly want to do, but Stacy forbids me to ever try to start that. But I so badly just want to buy an old condemned house that's hardly for nothing and just go in there and transform it. Just one, that's on my bucket list. I just want to do it one time. The problem is I don't know Jack Diddley about how to change anything. <laughs> All I can do is roll a paintbrush. That's about as far as I can get. But yet, when we go in there and they buy them, they take these old, collaborated houses that are condemned, that are wretched, that are not habitable, that nobody wants to live in. 
And they go in there and they buy them and they own the title deed. And the first thing that they do is they go in there and they do demolition day. And everything is tore down and everything's cleaned out because that's what's got to take place first before they can begin to rebuild the structure. Before they can then come in and recreate what it is that they're wanting. And that's exactly what happened. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You came in. He had to demolition all of you. You died with Christ. Amen. There on the cross. And now you are a clean pilot that he wants to now reconstruct. That he wants to now change and remove those things that don't need to be there. Listen, the Holy Spirit does not make us perfect. The Holy Spirit does not make us perfect. If he made us perfect, then that would mean that there is no more work to be done in our lives. But we know that we're not perfect. The Holy Spirit done the initial work in you which was to recreate you Ephesians 2.10 says for we are his workmanship notice we're his workmanship you're not your workmanship and you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them we got to get this because instead of allowing us him to work on us we want to try to work on ourselves and when we try to work on ourselves, we make a mess out of everything. As I live in attitude of rest and dependency upon what he has done and allow him to work, then there's going to be fruit in our lives because he only produces good fruit. The Holy Spirit doesn't produce rotten fruit. That comes from self, that comes from flesh, and that comes because we are trusting in law rather than simply resting in Christ and what he's done. Verses 22 and 23 tells us what he produces. But if I don't let him do the work that he desires to do, which is the creating, that's what he's wanting to do. If I don't let him create me and me respond to his work, then what I have done is place myself in the realm of creator, and God says, all right, you want to do it? have at it he sends back he lets us do it he says let's see what you can accomplish and then the next thing I know I'm right here in 20 and 21 and I'm a train wreck because the Bible says and such like because if we limit the works of the flesh only to these things listen there's so much more Bad attitudes, gossiping, all of this stuff is not the fruit of the Spirit. It is the works of the flesh. You see, He will only create you when your faith is totally in Christ and what He has done for you. You cannot create in you by determining that you are going to do good things. But the problem is when we got saved and we're placed in Christ, we then say, thank you, Lord, I'll take it from here. And we start to take control of this creation that God has created. And what we do is we start making a mess out of it. That's how you can see the dominion of sin in the lives of believers and even, let's be honest, in our own lives before we begin to apply the message of the cross because we were trying to do it and not understanding we were in that Romans chapter 7. What in the world is going on with me? Because this is not my desire. I don't want this in me, but because we have taken the reins and placed faith within ourselves. That is the end result. You see, we get way too independent. 
and we get on this road of independence and we say that we got it until we mess up and it's only then that we'll cry out God help me and thank God for his mercies he will come in and the problem is he's because he is a God of grace he'll pick us up we'll begin to start again and then all of a sudden all right God I got this again have you ever noticed that when people ask you for help or they ask you a question and then you begin to show them and this is their response, oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, I know. Well, then what did you ask me for? If you know how to do it and you know how to do it, then what did you come to me for? And that's the problem. We get started and then we say, okay, I'll take it from here when we should say, Lord, have your way. I'm going to just sit back and rest in what you have done so that you can have your way. You see, when you fail to start your Christian experience in the Spirit every day, it is nothing more but an equation for a disaster to happen. But when I start out denying myself and yielding to his death, then all of a sudden I see the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ working in my life through the person of the Holy Spirit who not only strips things away from me, but as well he will remove the desire see there's a lot of people that while they have abstained and maybe not done things the desire still rages within them but can I tell you only that the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ and what he's done can not only take away those things but strip away the desires second Corinthians 5 17 therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things become new you are a new creature, but we will pass over the scripture. We've recited it, we've memorized it, we cling to it, we shout it, but we'll go over the word of become. And listen, become implies a process, not an instantaneous event. The instantaneous event is when you came to Christ and said, Lord, save me instantaneously, you were placed in Christ. There was no process to happen. You were baptized into Christ. But now all things are become new, which means there is a process that's going on. What did he tell his disciples? Follow me and you will become a fishers of man. Amen. That means a process. Become means to undergo a change or development. So what's happening? is you are being developed more into the image of Christ by undergoing a change. You see, the moment you said to him you were that new person, but this life of sanctification now where the Holy Spirit is now taking away things that don't need to be there and he's developing the fruit of the Spirit and it is a process each and every single day. He's still the potter and I'm still the clay. You're not the potter. You, can't, you ain't nothing but a lump of clay. And it takes him. I'm going to put that on the t-shirt. I'm a lump of clay. <laughs> Write it down before somebody gets it. <laughs> I'm a lump of clay. But he's the potter. And now he's smoothing out them rough edges. He's making me more into the image of Christ. So day by day as I trust in Christ and I stay in Christ, I begin to see the attributes of Christ being developed and brought forth in my life and it sits back and blows even my mind. Lord, what in the world's going on? It's because I'm resting in Christ. I'm living by faith and the Holy Spirit's not being frustrated but He's having His way to change me. 
But see, when I begin to depend on law and works, what happens is I frustrate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He gets frustrated. I want to do this. I know what you're in need of. This is my ministry. This is what I'm here for, to bring to you the benefits of Christ, to bring to you those things that Christ died to give. But you've got to get out of the way so that I can have my way. You see, Satan will go fishing in the ponds of our heart and and he probes us to try and get us to do something. And even though we are in Christ, we are still humans and there are times when he throws out the fishing line, we will take the bait. And we'll take the bait and we will fail. But here's the biggest probe of Satan. The biggest desire of Satan is for you to try and save yourself from what you have just failed in. And this all stems from man's rebellion to try to save themselves. We see that with Adam. Immediately upon his fail, he tried to cover himself up. But when we fail, we immediately, as I said, will try to run and embrace religious activity when we need to run and embrace Christ. Embrace what he has already done for us. See, this is why Paul said, Oh foolish Galatians. Oh foolish Galatians. Galatians 3 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now, since being saved, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Amen. You see, the reason why the fruit of the Spirit is not being developed in many lives is because we have embraced law. And instead of walking after the Spirit, we're walking after flesh. And then all of a sudden, all kinds of ungodly things begin to wreak havoc in my life. But this religious activity, it sounds good. It sounds holy. And we'll run. It's like a shiny object. Let me run to this and try that. And when we begin to depend on those things, listen, the maintenance of your salvation, if you will, is still done by the Holy Spirit. He not only took you and baptized you into Christ, but the maintenance of your life still has to be done by the Holy Spirit. So while we're setting out to accomplish verses 22 to 23, we end up producing 20 and 21, which is all that the flesh can produce. See, many times, and I have been there myself, have wondered how could a person fall? How could that preacher have done that? And I think that we fail sometimes to remember that preachers, pastors, hey, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Just because one may have been called to a particular ministry does not mean that they are more at a higher level, if you will. We're all Christians because the cross is all level at the foot of the cross for each and every one of us. And so we'll begin to wonder, how did that person fall? How is it that that Christian could have done that? They love God. There's no denying that they were saved. Many even spirit-filled. They love the Lord. And I can tell you it's because there was no supply of the Spirit because they thought they could do it themselves and when we depend on ourselves, it produces a bunch of ugliness so you've got to have the supply of the holy spirit and what happens is was we run to 40 days of purpose and 21 days of this and it cannot give you what you need you need now the supply of the spirit to live this christian life each and every single day well, I want it. Yeah, but you got to deny yourself. And there's where the problem comes in with man. We don't want to deny ourselves. And when we don't deny ourselves, the supply of the Spirit that we need, who comes from Christ, the author and the finish of our faith, 
will not be able to work in us the way that he desires. Amen. See, that's what the message of the cross will do. It opens up our eyes to everything that we need has already been purchased. But again, he supplies, Christ has supplied the person of the Holy Spirit to now bring to you the benefits of the cross. And I can tell you that when you begin to depend upon the works, all of a sudden that supply comes to a screeching halt. It's like the brakes get pumped. It's like the Holy Spirit hits brakes because what gives him the gasoline, if you will, to now work in your life is faith in Christ and what he's done. But what brings him to a screeching halt is when you start depending on works. He don't leave. He's there because you've trusted Christ. You're justified by your faith. But he can't go. Works throws up a red light, but faith is what gives him the green light to work. You see, when we, are all under, when we are under law, all works of the flesh will manifest. But under grace, depending upon the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, will now bring forth fruit, which is a visible expression. This is the Greek for fruit. It is a visible expression of an inward, invisible power working on the inside. The fruit of the Spirit, when you see the fruit in your own life and you see the fruit of the Spirit on, the, on another person's life, that is the physical evidence on the outside of an invisible power that is working on the inside. And that invisible power is the Holy Spirit. Amen? The fruit that is produced in our lives is a result totally of the divine Spirit that now works through your human spirit that's been recreated when you got born again. Amen. John 15, 2, we know this. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. See, he's not just satisfied with some fruit. He wants to bring forth more fruit. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear the fruit of itself, Except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Remember, you're the branch. The last time I looked at an apple tree, an orange tree, whatever fruit tree there is, the branch is not what produces it. The branch is simply what bears it. What produces that fruit is what's going on underneath, amen? The branch is simply there. Remember, we talked about this a long time ago when we were shut down. We preached on it, and it said, you were the wild branch. And he grafted you in to him, amen? You were a wild branch by nature, but he grafted you in. And now that you're grafted in, you can now uh, bear the fruit that he does of the producing, amen? So therefore, there must be a constant examination of our heart and life in the light of the Bible teaching teachings and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit because many times there are things in our life that are not right they're in our heart that are not right in the spirit who now says I want that and it is only the grace of God that will allow that can take away those things from us Paul here said by the grace of God I am what I am by the power of the Holy Spirit. This what you see, it ain't me producing it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I love. And that's where the bragging rights come in on Jesus. When people look at you and say, what in the world happened? What? It ain't me. It's him. I'm just simply resting and have accepted that he has finished it all. Amen. So again, we, we know that there are many Christians. They're saved, many spirit-filled. But yet there is an absence of fruit in our lives. People want to know what the fruit is. It's right here, 22 through 23. And let me tell you, you cannot have more than the other. When I was growing up, I used to hear it's the fruits of the Spirit. And it's no, it's the fruit of the Spirit. You can't have more peace than long-suffering. 
You can't have more gentleness than goodness. They all grow unilaterally. And isn't it ironical that the first fruit of the Spirit is love? And that is greatly missing in the body of Christ. I have seen that more than ever in the last couple of months. As we tear and we devour, listen, that's not the Holy Spirit producing that. That is flesh. The Holy Spirit produces love. And the love of God, which Paul tells us about in 1 Corinthians, is greater than all of the virtues because it is, if you will, the outer cloak uh, that binds all the fruit together in completeness. In other words, his love that has been poured into our heart is what produces love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. But to continue to have it exhibited and for it to be grown and developed, there has to be a constant dependence upon the sacrifice and as you depend upon the sacrifice the Holy Spirit then will be able to bring forth the fruit of which it says against there is no law see they don't have to be a law because the fruit of the Spirit does not need to be restrained because it is impossible to have too much fruit it is impossible to have too much fruit. You and I need more fruit in our life. Amen. You see, one may ask and, and say, how do I determine or figure out where I'm at? Read these, and if you are exhibiting any of your life, it is a telltale sign of where you are under grace or law. Grace or law. Verse 24 tells us that, that we who are of crisis have had our flesh that have uh, affections and, and lust, and we all have them. If we didn't have them, Paul wouldn't have said, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. This rotten flesh still has a lustful tendencies that aren't of the Lord. Amen? But he says that, that, you have all, that they have been crucified, meaning that this was a one-time event with continuous results. I know a lot of people will quote Paul where he says that I die daily, but Paul was talking about dying to self and the dependency of what he can do. You see, you and I, we died one time. You don't die the second time and a third time. You died one time when you came to Jesus Christ. This dying to self is what happens on a daily basis. You were crucified one time. You don't crucify over and over again each day. You were crucified one time. You died to yourself and that desire to take control each and every single day. Sin was destroyed one time when the Spirit came in. And now my identification with Christ and His death is what brings about the breaking of the sin nature over my life. So that now these lusts and these tendencies to do evil are now neutral. And the only thing that can bring them back to my life is when I begin to depend upon the flesh and not on the Spirit. You see, but as we follow after the Spirit, and as we walk after the Spirit, as we depend on Christ and His finished work, these tendencies and these lusts are not able to come to surface because I remember, hey, I'm dead. When, that, when those things come your way, that's when you remember, I am dead to these things. And now we fight the agonizing fight of faith until we see the victories come to pass. Lord, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting because I know that if I don't give up, you won't stop either until it comes to pass. 
until I see the victory. And as I depend on Him, all of these changes that need to take place can now happen because I'm depending upon the supply of the Holy Spirit. This new power source who lives inside of me, who's reconstructed me into the image of Christ. And as He's reconstructed me, He's now rid of me of the junk that needs to go, the weeds of the garden, if you will. Because if you want anything to stop bringing forth, it's the weeds, amen? But he will get rid of the weeds in the garden, and he will bring forth fruit. But he's not only going to bring forth fruit, but as I depend upon him and the sacrifice, he will bring forth much fruit. Why? Because the Bible says that he does exceedingly and abundantly above that which we could ask or think. You think you, you could never have more? Oh, he can bring a whole lot more. Because that's what he does, amen, exceedingly and abundantly. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Jordan, if you want to just come and play something real um, soft or quiet or whatever. Uh, I know we're tired. I know it's Sunday evening. But I just want us to take a few moments because if there's ever been a time and hour that we need the fruit of the Spirit being developed and manifested in our life, it's today. Because there are people who, who are lost and who are hurting and dying that, that need to see this. And the only way that they're going to see this fruit is by us depending upon him. Amen. So these altars are open or turn a place where you're at into an altar. But seek the Lord and ask him to search your heart. And, and if that's your desire tonight for more fruit to be developed in your life, then I'm just simply asking you to take this time, seek his face, look to what he has done for you. And allow him to do the work in you. Amen.
encouraged and again excited to see what the Lord is doing in this body and in this church. Amen. I want to say from the bottom of my heart, and I know I would echo, and Stacy would echo what I say, we, not just those that are not here tonight, but those that are part of this body, I, I just stand back amazed seeing how the Lord is just doing the work here in this house. From our hearts, we love each and every single one of you. We appreciate you. And uh, we couldn't do this thing without you, man. And I'm just believing again uh, that we're getting ready to see just an abundance of what we've even experienced today. Amen. That's what I want, and I know that's what you want to experience is glory. Amen. But I'm thankful that it don't have to just be here. It's out there as well. Amen. As I believe a great move, I believe a lot of the work that he's going to do in these last days. It's not just in the church house, but it's going to be outside. Amen. And I believe the reports are going to come in from y'all of how the Lord used y'all as instruments for his glory. Amen. Let's close out with a word of prayer. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for, again, all that you have done for us today, Lord. You have been so good and so kind to us, Lord. And the desire of our heart, Lord, is for more of this, Lord. But, Lord, most of all, Lord, we're asking that you would change us. Lord, that you would continue to mold us. Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to weed our garden, Lord, and, and bring forth fruit, Lord. And not just fruit, but much fruit, Lord. That, Lord, we might be that example, Lord. We may be that shining light, Lord, into this dark world, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord God, to, to submit to you, to yield to you each and every single day, Lord so that you can have your way in this body. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We love each and every one of you. Remember Bible study at 7 p.m. Sunday morning next week at 10.30 p.m. prayer. But we love each and every one of you. Thank you for those that have joined in with us online today. Come and be with us. We would love to have you. Be blessed.